Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of Radiant You. As the light coach focusing on radiance, the word light is obviously something that I'm really passionate about, but not just because it captures so many symbolic things and what coaching can actually do to your life, but because I've always been drawn to it in nature. Anytime that I see light reflecting in different ways, it makes me stop and just soak in God's love and God's power. One of my favorite things is driving over a bridge next to a lake every morning when I take my son to school and seeing the beautiful morning rays of sun bounce off of that water and just taking a breath and soaking in that light. It just resets my morning and helps me start on the right day. Because I love light, especially in nature, I was really excited about an opportunity that I had recently. You see, my father-in-law has always been fascinated with astronomy. At every family reunion, he brings telescopes and his little laser pen and points out the stars and the constellations to his grandkids. It's one of the things I love about him. And he is someone who just has my heart. I love that man so much. His health has become poor lately. And we were talking with him at a family gathering. One of my sister-in-laws shared that she got to see the Northern Lights while they were on a family trip. When my father-in-law heard this, his eyes just lit up with excitement and wanted to see all the pictures. He was so excited. And my husband, watching this reaction in my father-in-law, turned to me and said, we have to take dad to see the Northern Lights before his health is too poor to travel. So with that bug planted in my husband, we recently got to go to Alaska in hopes to see the Northern Lights. Well, obviously, as someone who loves light in nature myself, I was so excited to see the beautiful northern lights. I had seen images and videos of how colorful and bright and just breathtaking they could be. But unfortunately, nobody told me that in person, the northern lights are actually seen differently than on camera. You see, the human eye doesn't see color the same way at night. And so you, a night vision camera will be able to pick up all of the colors of the northern lights, but a human eye only perceives some of those colors. I had this belief inside of me of what it was going to look like because of the evidence that I had been given in the past that was completely false. And the first night we got to Alaska, settled, woke up in the middle of the night so we could go see the beautiful display of these colorful Northern lights. But when we got there, all we could see was this little bit of silver in the sky that was barely distinguishable and almost looked like a cloud. And we kept looking around thinking, where are the Northern lights? I don't know what we're even looking for. Someone who was there pulled out their camera on their phone and held it up to the sky. And once the camera was looking through the night vision, the whole cloud looked green. And I had this heart sinking moment where I thought, oh no, you can't really see the Northern Lights. All of a sudden I had new evidence that 
there were no northern lights that you can't actually see the color. I was so worried that we had come all this way and we weren't really going to see anything beautiful. But I knew how desperately my father-in-law wanted to see them. And my husband and I wanted him to have that experience. So we're all standing there squinting, trying to make out the northern lights. And unfortunately, my father-in-law's eyesight is pretty poor right now because of his health. So even that little cloud that we could see, he couldn't even make it out. And my heart just dropped. I felt my mind start spinning out in all of the different stories that we came all this way and it wasn't going to happen. We weren't going to have him see the Northern Lights. We weren't going to check that box off of his bucket list and that the trip had been a failure and that this was my father-in-law's last chance to travel because of his health and just started feeling so frustrated. To make matters worse, we did some research and it showed that the night before we got there, the northern lights had been a very bright display and that the prediction for the rest of our trip was that it was going to be really poor visibility. As I was taking in this information, I felt myself start to be pulled into drama. I really, really wanted my father-in-law to have this. And I was worried that what I thought was possible wasn't actually possible. Have you ever experienced that moment where all of a sudden your reality shifts and things that you thought were real all of a sudden aren't true anymore? Maybe you've been telling yourself a story about something that now you have new evidence and everything kind of shifts and you don't really know what's true anymore. The reason that this happens is because the stories we tell ourselves and the evidence we gather become true for us. And it creates a focus that we zero in on building evidence and even creating a reality that makes that true. To make matters worse, our default brain is wired to keep us safe. So it's constantly looking for things to worry about because if it worries, it thinks it can predict unsafe situations and proactively protect us from the possibility of those problems. If our brain doesn't have information to fill in the gaps to know what's going on, it just will make stuff up to try and make the whole story make more sense. This process of filling in stories and trying to make sense of the world often gets us stuck in what's called the drama triangle. The drama triangle is what happens when we think our stories are true. This triangle has three different points, the persecutor, the victim, and the rescuer. Let's break down those three. First, the persecutor. When the story unfolds, we take on the role of blaming other people. It's their fault that this is happening to me, and they're causing this. We often will blame or punish other people, and then we take it out on others because it's their fault. The result of taking on the persecutor role in any storyline of our life is that we damage our relationships and we disconnect ourselves from truth and from the other people around us. The next role that we often take is the victim. This is a fear-based role where we're worried. We whine and complain that we're stuck and that life is happening to us. We think thoughts like, I, I just have to do this. I don't have any choice or there's not enough time or energy or money or support. There's just not enough that scarcity mindset or there's too much, too much 
to do, too much attention, too many people asking things of me. It's just too hard. That victim fear-based mindset creates a result in our story of being stuck and feeling overwhelmed. And we have this pattern over and over again that exhausts us. The third role we often take on is a little bit sneakier. This is the rescuer. And many people feel like if they're the rescuer in the story, that they're doing something right, that this is the clear place to be. But a rescuer is still not supporting truth because the rescuer mentality is, I have to fix this. This is a control space where we want to solve other people's problems or minimize them so that we can get past it and not have to deal with it. This could be your own problems or other people's and trying to solve them often leads us to feel like we either are right or we have to find the right answer until we feel like it's resolved. The results of the rescuer role is that we often neglect ourselves and we enable poor behavior in others because we do things for them they actually can do for themselves and it's only providing temporary relief for us and for them. It's not really based on what's clearly best for everyone. Now I want you to take a moment and think about which of these three storybook roles you tend to slip into when you feel like you're not quite clear. Do you tend to get frustrated and blame others in a persecutor energy? Or maybe you pull in and worry and whine and feel just worn out like a victim that life is happening to you. Or like me, you may be a doer where you try and fix all the things and minimize it and it's okay and you've got this, you're going to solve this problem. You see, I spent most of my life being a rescuer of my family, thinking that I was being helpful, swooping in and lifting my victim mother and other family members, solving the problems for them. But when I was the rescuer, I was teaching victims that they were victims, that they needed to be rescued. It took intense therapy to teach me about this drama triangle and how our stories muddy up the truth and why getting stuck there is so damaging. Instead, there are ways to get out of the stories, to really see truth, and to drop the drama so that you can be clear and purposeful in your relationships with yourself, with God, and with others. There are two main tools that help you get to that place that I want to share with you today. First is getting clear about the facts. Facts are neutral and boring. They are the things that people would agree on. If you were to bring it to a court of law, it would pass that that is the truth. This is the temperature in the weather or actual words that someone said, not what you made those words mean. When we can neutralize and get down to the truth about what the facts are, it helps us clean up those drama triangle roles so that we can clearly see our part and how we can move forward to create a better result. 
One of my favorite resources that taught me how to do this is actually a children's book. I know that's silly, but it's great for kids too. It's called Captain Snout and the Superpower Questions, How to Calm Anxiety and Conquer Automatic Negative Thoughts. I have some links in my show notes for this book so you can check it out. But I love using it to teach my children and to remind me about what my brain is automatically doing and how to get clear. They call the automatic negative thoughts the ants in your brain. One of the best ways to overcome the ants and not have the ants be in charge is to use powerful questions. The questions that this book teaches are these, is this thought true? Am I 100% sure it's true? Because when we think, is this thought true? Our brain comes up with all of the evidence that made us have that thought in the first place, that story we've crafted to help us feel justified for the way that we see it. But when we take a moment to honestly reflect, am I 100% sure that it's true? Often we'll get humble enough and see clearly enough to find our peace in the story and let go of the drama about the other pieces. Let's apply this so that we can get our heads around it a little better. For example, with the persecutor who blames other people, the thought, is it true that it's someone else's fault? Am I 100% sure that it's 100% their fault? When we ask that powerful question, it helps us create space to see it from other people's perspectives. It also creates more humility to see our part and prioritizes both sides of the relationship, not just our own desire to shift away from any of the responsibility by blaming someone else. That question can help pull out of persecutor. How about with the victim? When we ask ourselves questions like, is it really true that I'm stuck? Am I 100% sure that it's true? That gives you space to remember the places that you have choice because you always have choice. And when you remember that accountability, it gives you the power to change. It's hard sometimes to look at that and remember you're responsible for that. It's why a lot of people get stuck in victim. They don't want the responsibility to change, but really it's so miserable to live in a victim mindset. So asking that powerful question, is it true that I'm stuck? What can I actually do to change? Can be a life-changing question when you have a pattern of being a victim. And lastly, the rescuer in the drama triangle, when you ask powerful questions like, is this actually my problem to fix? And is it 100% true that it's my problem? It helps us look at the pieces that we really can't control and invites that surrender where we give it back to God, acknowledge that we really don't have as much influence as we think we do, and then proactively get clear about how we want to act instead of react. Letting go of the need to be a rescuer is one of the most relieving things that I have personally felt in my life. Finding ways where I can authentically support people instead of support them because I need to control or fix it 
or so that I feel like I'm a good enough person because I helped. That's all story, not fact. That's the first tool of helping get out of the drama triangle and into a clearer place is recognizing what's really true. What are the facts? Tool number two is to decide what you want to make those facts mean. It may be true that someone said some words to you or that a situation can't be changed, but you get to decide the meaning that you attach to anything you are going through. Any facts, situations, circumstances, no matter what it is, you get to decide how you want to experience it because your thoughts or stories about those facts are just your interpretation of the world and you are crafting your own narrative. Sometimes we can't really get down to what the true facts are. We don't have enough evidence for that. In those moments, you get to decide what you want to practice believing. Do you want to practice seeing the good, having hope, and believing in people around you? Or do you want to practice negatively judging, pulling in, and hibernating, or trying to control and fix things? No matter whether you know the facts or you've found the facts, you choose the meaning by the story you rehearse. In that moment, when I was in Alaska with my father-in-law, I felt my automatic brain wanting to attach all sorts of drama to the meaning. The persecutor side of me wanted to blame so many different things, blame other people for not telling me that the Northern Lights look different in person than they do on camera so that I could have warned my father-in-law to have different expectations or blaming God for the timing that the day before it was good, but the rest of the time we were there, it was supposed to be poor visibility or for the poor health of my father-in-law that made it hard for him to travel and even see the lights in front of him. That bleeds into the victim mentality too, where things can't change and poor us for having this being our situation. I can't change the lights. I can't make it be a success. I can't make them look brighter, but I can make myself miserable feeling like a victim or miserable trying to control it like a rescuer where I naturally want to make sure everybody's okay and nobody's disappointed and excuse away any hard feelings that might be there. Gratefully, I caught myself in my drama, and I gave myself space first to feel disappointed that we had come all the way here and we may not see the northern lights, and that my heart was breaking because I love my father-in-law so much, and I love my husband who was desperately wanting to support his dad. In that moment, I asked myself the question, what's true? What's true is that God is good and that he is able to show whatever it is that he wants to show. And if we didn't see the Northern Lights, then it was okay because there was a bigger picture here. That didn't stop me from pleading with God and asking in faith that he could perform a little miracle for our little family but it also came with a surrender that I didn't need to control it or blame or feel victimized by it. Once I got to that surrender space, I was able to refocus on what I actually 
could influence my own attitude, my relationship with the people around me, my space to connect with them and look for ways to still make it successful, not to try and control, but to genuinely connect with the people I had gone with, no matter what the elements around me were doing. So that night, when we finally got to bed around four in the morning, because we waited forever trying to see the lights that never showed up, I turned to my husband and just said, let's see how we can create a beautiful day tomorrow, no matter what happens with or without the Northern Lights. The next morning actually was the 51st wedding anniversary for my in-laws and they were both there. And so we looked for ways to make it a special day. We visited fun sites. We took them to a nice restaurant for dinner and we just laughed and hung out and let go of any of the worry about the Northern Lights. And it made the trip worth it. I considered it a trip that was worth going all the way to Alaska to spend time with them. Well, that night we had a council and we said, okay, all the predictions online point to the possibility that we won't see it even if we stay up and exhaust ourselves again tonight. We took a poll and we decided we're here, so we might as well try, especially because the next two nights were predicted to be cloudy. So this was kind of our last chance to really see it. While we were discussing this, I was silently pleading for God to make a way for us to see the Northern Lights. And that pleading came with a sense of peace where I was surrendered and was able to just let go whatever happened. Because I was in that place of peace, I had space to feel guidance from God. And a thought came to my mind, leave at midnight. Now, the night before, we had left in the middle of the night because we were told that that was going to increase our chances of seeing it to be around three o'clock in the morning. But I felt that little pole say, leave at midnight to drive the 45 minutes to the lookout point. I casually brought up the thought in our discussion to go a little bit earlier, and everybody thought that was a good idea. So we hung out for a bit and then headed to the Northern Lights. Once we got to the top of this hill that was our lookout point, we looked up and the sky was so beautifully clear. The stars were just bright. The moon was bright. We could see a beautiful, normal sky. Gratefully, there weren't any clouds, but there also weren't any northern lights. And although I felt disappointed, I didn't feel my heart sink. And I overheard my husband talking to my father-in-law. And he said, Dad, I'm really sorry that we didn't get to check this box off your bucket list. I really wanted you to see the northern lights. His sweet father was reassuring him that it was okay and he was so grateful for his effort and that it had been a wonderful day either way. After that moment of peace and surrender and reconciliation, literally 30 seconds later, the sky lit up with the northern lights. It was seriously like the heavens parted and someone switched them on and they were there, bright and beautiful and even a little bit green, which at that point, I was excited about seeing color instead of being disappointed that it was dimmer or less colorful than I had expected. For about 20 or 30 minutes, we just sat and basked in the beauty of this miraculous moment that we felt like was a personal gift from God. 
I will always cherish the sight of my husband sitting next to my father-in-law, listening to his favorite song, Claire de Lune, watching the Northern Lights dance in the beautiful Alaskan sky. In that moment, my gratitude was so deep and my joy so tangible that it tops some of the best moments in my life. Now, I would not have experienced it at that level if I had just gone to Alaska and seen the Northern Lights. The journey of the experience was what made it so powerfully beautiful in more than just what I visually witnessed. And that was only possible because of the quote-unquote failure of the night before. If I had believed that story, that the colors of the Northern Lights weren't actually worth it, or that the prediction that it wasn't going to be visible was true and didn't even try, I would have missed it entirely. Especially if I had been full of blame and victim and control and not had space to feel guided about what time to go because we would have missed it. It was only there for like 20 minutes. But we didn't let the failure story keep us stuck in failure. And even if other people hadn't gotten stuck in that and I would have been drug along in my drama, I wouldn't have been emotionally available to connect in the way that I did, even when they did appear. I would have been distracted by the shame of my poor behavior if I had pouted all the day before or blamed God for not letting it happen. And I definitely wouldn't have had space for the immense gratitude that I ended up feeling. Now, every story does not end with a beautiful display of the thing that you desire most. But these principles still hold true. When we get pulled into drama and tell stories that embellish on blaming and victimizing and controlling our surroundings and other people, we lose the chance to choose our experience and to enjoy life. So this is my invitation to you, my friend. Practice recognizing when you slip into drama. Take a moment right now to reflect on the past week of your life. What have you been believing about this phase of your life? Or maybe about yourself or your loved ones or even your future? What are the facts and what is the story that you've been writing? Is it a drama happening to you where you're showing up as a persecutor or a victim or a rescuer? Are there things that you're currently believing are true that are keeping you stuck, that aren't useful. You have agency to choose what you make things mean. Choose meaning that connects you to yourself, to others, and to God. When you do, you will have an increased capacity to feel God's love in your life, to share that love with others, and to recognize that love and that light within you and in the world around you. You might not be looking at the northern lights, but there is beauty in your life just as tangible that's waiting for you to see it. Take time to drop the drama and witness the light. Keep shining, my friends.
Have a blessed day. You are radiant, but some days it's hard to remember that truth. If you're ready to live lighter and shine brighter, then head over to thelightcoach.com and book a free session to discover what's possible. The radiant you is within your reach. Let's find her together.